Listen, living by faith meant that the promises of God, that's all the assurance that he needed. And you and I live in a day when we hear a lot of preaching, for example, that um, we got to see proof. Got to see proof. What did God do? If God makes a promise, I don't need any proof because I know that when he fulfills his promise, I'll have all the proof I need. The truth is because God doesn't lie and God doesn't promise one thing and give something else, I can trust him. To live by faith simply means this. I'm willing to believe that God will keep his promises and that's all the assurance I need. Faith is believing God because he says it. Now, I could give you lots of testimonies, and many of you could, how God honors your obedience when you trust Him. You just trust Him financially. You trust Him in relationships. You, you trust Him in your obedience to Him. Our assurance is the promises of God. And the person who lives and walks by faith lives by the promises of God. And our assurance every single day is whatever He promises He's going to perform. And the reason you're in the mess you're in is because you won't trust Him. You won't believe Him. You, you won't take the first step. And sometimes that first step looks like it's a mile wide. Take it. See what God does. All right, the, the third principle I want you to get is this. When we walk by faith, the presence of God will be our comfort. The presence of God will be our comfort. And then he moves down to, we come to Moses in this 23rd verse of this 11th chapter. And listen to what he says. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Considering the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Now, let's go back to the third chapter of Exodus for a moment, and let's look to see what's happening here. You recall the children of Israel have been in bondage to the Egyptians for hundreds of years, 400 years. Now, Here's this shepherd. He is only a shepherd. Now, he grew up in uh, Pharaoh's household, but you recall how he had to flee because he killed an Egyptian soldier. So now he's on the, on the backside of the desert. Forty years he's been living back there. Who in the world is Moses? He's a nobody, just a shepherd. One day he's walking along, and all of a sudden he sees something very strange. He sees this bush burning but it's not consumed. Now, he's seen bushes burn before, and he set some of them afire. But somehow, this one's not burning up. It's just burning. And all of a sudden, he hears this voice. And the voice says, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you're standing is holy ground. Moses hid his face, scared him to death. Then God began this conversation with him. He said, you know, my people are in bondage. And they're suffering under these taskmasters of the Egyptians. He says, I've heard their cry. And then he says in verse 10, therefore, come now, and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. 
But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? And listen to what God said to him. Certainly I will be with you. This was the comfort that Moses needed, and God knew that he needed it. He says, Moses, I'll be with you. When you stand face to face, and how many times did he stand face to face before Pharaoh? Many times. Plague after plague after plague after plague, and he wouldn't let them go. He stood there. What did he have? He had the promise of God. And listen, it was the Word of God. God had given him this awesome sense of assurance. Listen, he lived with this comfort. Nothing he had in his hand could have defended him. The only thing that could defend him was the living God. And listen to me. The same God that stood with Moses on the bank of the Red Sea is the same God who stands with you and me when you and I face our Red Seas, when you and I face our Pharaohs. It is the same God with the same power to offer the same comfort if we'll trust Him. There's no way to lose when you're obedient to God. And there's no way to win when you're disobedient. Take the challenge from Dr. Stanley's message. Respond to crisis moments like Abraham and Moses. Have faith in God and then watch what he'll do. We'll hear more about the life of faith on Monday. To review what you heard today, click on the link to Today on Radio at intouch.org. And that's where you'll find free resources that can encourage your trust in God to grow. Open our online bookstore if you'd like to order a copy of Dr. Stanley's complete message, The Life of Faith. It's also included in his teaching set, Living the Extraordinary Life. Again, that's intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. If you prefer to write, our address is In Touch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. Doubt undermines your faith. Shore up your trust in God with today's Moment with Charles Stanley. It's coming up. Do you take sermon notes on the back of your bulletin, jot scripture references on the offering envelope? Start keeping things in one place, one organized place, with the In Touch Note Takers Journal. This leather soft journal contains 150 pages for taking notes and includes Dr. Stanley's 30 life principles. Find everything in one convenient place with the In Touch Note Takers Journal. Call toll-free 1-800-IN-TOUCH or visit intouch.org. Trusting God each day can be a challenge, but working to grow that trust brings greater joy and peace than we could ever find on our own. In Trusting God with Today, the 365-day devotional from the teachings of Dr. Charles Stanley, we are encouraged to believe in God's love and rest in His purpose for us. Available now at intouch.org today. You're listening to In Touch. What God promises, you can count on. Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. If you doubt God's promise, you doubt His Word, you cannot be pleasing to God. If you doubt Him, here's what you're saying. You're implying that He lied. Oh, I know, what that, I know that's what God says, and you say, but... What you're implying is God makes statements He can't keep, won't keep, doesn't keep. 
Or you say, well, uh, I, I know that's what the Bible says, but what you're doing is you're implying that, you're, that by unbelief, you are declaring that God is not trustworthy. You can't trust Him. He's not faithful, and therefore, there must be some reason that you cannot genuinely believe that He'll do what He says do. Then you understand why it's displeasing? You cannot be in a place of pleasing God and doubting Him and living in unbelief. And when I think about how many people live with their doubts and their fears and their anxieties and think that they're living a Christian life, because they go to church, they read the Bible, they pray, and may even talk about it, but the truth is they're not living by faith. Living by faith, you trust Him. You believe Him. You don't have to have a lot of proof. You accept the Word of God and watch Him work. You can find help with studying the Bible at intouch.org. And if you have a story about what you've learned through this program, please share it with us. Next week on In Touch, do you have the kind of faith that believes God will walk with you through monumental obstacles? Or does your faith shrink in the shadow of giant problems? Monday, we'll hear more about living the extraordinary life as we examine the faith of David. I hope you'll make plans to be with us Monday for In Touch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look in an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Well, 231 years ago this month, King Louis XVI of France lost his head. His execution by guillotine was a precursor of the Reign of Terror, a 10-month period from 1793 to 1794 in which French revolutionaries executed nearly 17,000 of their countrymen. The French Revolution, one of history's most profound examples of the power of ideas, erupted out of the Enlightenment. In the mid-18th century, philosophers such as Voltaire and Diderot effectively argued that human reason and scientific inquiry, rather than religion, were the true path to progress and to greater freedom. In particular, Diderot's hostility to Christianity also spilled over into his views of the nobility. After all, if there were no God, then King Louis could not have been divinely appointed, and if the king had no sacred claim on power, he had no right then to live in an outrageous luxury palace in Versailles while the French people were living in famine. As is typical in historical epics like this, some took these ideas further than others. In 1789, just a few days before a mob stormed the Bastille prison in Paris, one of its longtime prisoners was transferred to a mental asylum. In his cell, he left a manuscript that would eventually be published under the title 120 Days of Sodom. The author was the infamous Marquis de Sade. Desaad thought his novel to be, and I quote, the most impure tale ever written. It depicted graphic scenes of sexual violence, torture, and murder. It was also, to the utter horror of Desaad's contemporaries and modern historians, semi-autobiographical. Desaad spent most of his life in prison or mental asylums because of his crimes, particularly against vulnerable women. More than just an awful story, his book was a philosophical proposal. While Enlightenment philosophers like Voltaire and Diderot denied the existence of God, they still defended many virtues that were distinctly Christian, including the goodness of self-sacrifice and the dignity of the poor. Desaad, on the other hand, did not share these philosophical inconsistencies. According to author and pastor Andrew Wilson in his recent book, Remaking the World, How 1776 Created the Post-Christian West, Desaad simply had no time for Christian morality. 
Quote, the side thought we should admit that there's no natural basis whatsoever for loving other people, forgiving them, or showing compassion. The doctrine of loving one's neighbor is a fantasy we owe to Christianity and not to nature, he explained. And virtue, likewise, is just a way of behaving that varies according to climate and consequently has nothing real about it. End quote. Though even the most radical sexual revolutionaries today would hesitate to claim the Marquis de Sade as their intellectual forefather, they kind of must. Before Darwin, he embraced a world in which the strongest survive and the most brutal thrive. Before the sexual revolution, he explored sex as only a means of pleasure with no regard for the dignity of people or their bodies. His open hatred for Christianity, he once called Jesus a scoundrel, a lecher, a showman who performed crude tricks, anticipated in an argument still common today that Christianity is not only anti-intellectual and anti-rational, but also evil. For the Marquis de Sade, freedom was pure license without the constraints or the consequences of morality or even biology. This is only thinkable in a world without God and therefore a world without design or moral order. Those who continue today to argue for such a world have no cause nor means to denounce the bad behavior of men like the Marquis de Sade. In the real world, the freedom to be fully human is grounded in the way that God made us. Thus, true freedom is hemmed in always by virtue. Among the many benefits of this worldview is the ability to fiercely repudiate the kind of degeneracy of the Marquis de Sade and to do so from sound philosophical ground. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. For more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org.